Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hey everybody, Tamara here with another awesome interview for you. This time we're going across the pond to the UK to interview my good friend, Paul Ace. Now here's the thing that I want you to know about Paul Ace. He is on the forefront of this new business method called conversational commerce. You might've heard it percolating around. This guy is the expert. The reason I think you should know about this is number one, I think it's gonna change the game of business, how we think about how we communicate with our customers, our clients, the marketplace, um, even actually made me think differently about communicating with my team. Also, it's gonna change the face of business. It kind of brings together this human element with this automated element in a new way. Paul's also an exceptional leader and runs a fantastic team. So we dig into how he keeps his team inspired, how he leverages the diversity of thinking on his team, the difference between efficiency and efficacy, and how he says, he says efficiency is crap. So he'll tell you more about that. Fantastic interview. Welcome to the show. Great to be on the show tomorrow and uh, looking forward to giving insight as well to your audience. So for those of you who don't know, I was on Paul's podcast recently. I don't know, that was a couple of weeks ago now. So you'll probably feel like, do these two know each other? And the answer is kind of yes, because we've talked a few times <laughs> at this point. So I'm excited to have Paul on. So I want to start, Paul, with a question about what is this thing called conversational commerce that you are at the forefront of? This is a, it's a new term for a lot of us, but I think it is changing the game for business. Yeah, so a lot of people go, oh, conversational commerce is like things like chatbots and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. And that's potentially a a piece of it, but it's about the way that we communicate. So if you look back in early 2000s, when people were talking about this thing called e-com, and it was like, oh, what's this electronic commerce that people are talking about, right? We just call it CECOM because we know that's what people are going to call it Mm -hmm. soon (laughs) because people get lazy and shit and everything. So it's about creating a a conversational experience for the customer on the on the customer journey. So remembering that every single customer is a human being heart rather than like, oh, it's just an automated lead that's come in. Oh, we've got a new lead. It's no, it's a new human that has come into your world that you need to nurture through the process. So we we leverage technology and automations and at the same time, look at the human psychology of what's going on to be able to, to marry those two things together to actually have conversations with the customers and increase conversions at the same time whilst enhancing the customer journey by using this conversational commerce experience. So it's so interesting to me because I think that um, some businesses do it really well mm. and some do it really poorly. And uh, it's like they're trying too hard. They're like that friend at school that's like, hey, hey, can I be your friend? Can I be your friend? Um, and, and others, I'd say, and, and you've met, you mentioned this to me before offline about other stuff. They also yeah. use conversation, CCOM, so we'll call it, yeah. um, to also understand the patterns of people's behavior. So yeah. I guess there's really two parts to my question here. I'm kind of going all over the place here. 
One is how do you use it? Not just to, to send an email that feels personal, because that's one level, but to actually understand what's happening in the chain of the customer experience, like what could be going wrong or right. And then my other, I guess the flip side to that, and that, this is question two, is um, what are the mis- or the traps or the mistakes we should look out for to not do? Yeah, so the, the first part, we're, we're looking at that, creating a feedback loop, right? So so. So many people are running a business right now where they're just going, I'm just going to stick my finger in the air, see which way the wind's blowing. And that's what I'm going to guess is yeah. what my customers are saying. Yes. Rather right. than we getting, assume it. Yeah, we, we assume. And, um, you know, if, if you're okay with slight profanity, uh, I say uh, assume makes an ass out of you <laughs> and me, right? So it's... Yeah. It's 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 a massive mistake that that people make. So they, these kind of two things tie together, right? What what is the mistakes and what do people need to do when it comes to, for example, that what what went wrong message? We've seen as high as a forty percent response rate to that. Now, if you took those responses and put those responses into a Google Sheet and said to your customer service team, every time you get a response, put that into a Google Sheet, and then what what your data team or your marketing team can do, they can go and look at that data, mm-hmm. so they can look at that and see the exact wording that people are using why they didn't buy. So they might say, I didn't have enough time. They might say, oh, uh, I don't get paid until the weekend. Or, But then it's about the very particular phrasing that they're using. Because if you've ever, have you ever ever complained about something where, where you've, you know, you've run got customer support to complain about a product being being not great or something, you know, maybe like broadband or something like that. I know we were having conversations about broadband earlier. So you ring up to complain and, and you say, this broadband's not working properly. I'm, I'm just so frustrated right now. It's really frustrating me. And you go, yes, I, I I know you're angry tomorrow. I know you're angry. I was like, I didn't say angry. I said frustrated. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not angry. I'm frustrated. Why are you not listening to me? Yeah. So it's the same com- concept when you're doing your marketing is, okay, well, let's take the feedback from the customer. If they say, um, I didn't have time right now, then let's use, even if you don't have enough time, in a headline, mm-hmm. right? But if they, they're saying, I'm too busy right now, then you put in the headline, even if you're too busy. So it's about using the customer's language patterns back in the marketing to create this feedback loop. And when you start doing that at every stage of the journey, you start to see exactly what why people are stopping at that stage. And then here's a great thing about it is you might be thinking, oh, people are not buying because it's too expensive. But the reason everyone isn't buying is because they haven't got the time. So if you can then solve mm-hmm. that objection in your abandoned cart emails or in your retargeting ads, then you can focus all your attention on the bit where um, where the things are happening the most, right? So it's like the it's like the eighty twenty rule, the Pareto principle. So eighty percent of the results come from twenty percent of the actions. Now, right now, if if you're looking at your business, you might be looking in it and going, "Well, I'm yeah, I'm I'm doing this objection, this objection, this objection." When ninety five percent of the people, or maybe eighty percent of the people, are focusing on saying, I haven't got enough time to implement this thing that you're trying to teach me. So then if we put all the focus there, what's that going to do? It's going to make the results go up 10 times faster because we're actually getting that feedback loop from the customers and answering what works for our audience in particular. So I just, I think it's absolutely fascinating, Paul. And I I think it's, um, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I I think that uh, conversational commerce is one of the things that we're all going to be talking about in like six months. And you've just figured it out (laughs) before the rest of us. Um, and I, w- I just want to share a quick story with you, kind of that was I was reminded of that I haven't thought about in years. But just a while ago, I was running, I was a VP at this uh, innovation and brand strategy firm, and there was an outdoor apparel company that was talking to us about doing some work, and I was the new the new business lead. 
And I had three conversations with a guy really did completely understand what he needed and how to deliver for him. Totally got it. And he came back. So I delivered the proposal to him and he came back to me and said, I don't feel like you were listening to me. This doesn't represent our conversation at all. And like, we had to have a whole nother conversation where he repeated everything he said to me, which in my head, I was like, I know, I get it. Like, that's what I'm saying right here. But our, I didn't use any of his language and I didn't mean to, I wasn't being intentional. I just wasn't connecting the dots that in doing it or saying it in a different way, I was making him feel unheard versus simply using his language. I wanted to use my language because this was our processes, our knowledge, our blah, 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 right? Instead of using the customer's language. So we did not win the business, needless to say. But it was really, at the end of the day, the breakdown wasn't our calls. It wasn't the proposal. It was the language I didn't use inside the proposal. Yeah. And that that's, it's just a perfect example of, you know, and when you're working on, on bigger deals as well, these kind of things are more and more important because everyone has these standardized processes, right? So we're all, always about, right, we need to standardize everything. However, if it takes a, a couple of little tweaks where someone's like, I want someone to handle my old funnel process, yeah. but but then you're saying in, in your proposal that you're saying we handle all the sales optimization. They're like, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't need that. The email that campaigns. Handled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't need email campaigns. I need someone... To handle funnel process. Yeah. So then you just go, well, that's like, that is what we're doing, but like, it doesn't, we don't phrase it that way. So, well, why don't we just rephrase it a little bit in the, in the wording and you just change it in one deliverable. And then they're like, I get that. That makes sense. So we've been, we've been figuring this out for the last three years yeah. of, of like, what, what does it actually look like and what does it entail? And we simplified it down to three things. So a trifecta. So psychology, technology, and dataology, mm. those three things together tied to what conversational commerce is and one doesn't work without the other so you can have the best psychology right so you can really understand your customer you can understand the exact words that they're using but if every one of those conversations you're having is one-on-one then you can't scale it so then you need Mm -hmm. the right technology so you need to leverage that leverage the technology and automation that's out there however how do you know you're making the right decisions well if you don't have the right data points and understand the data and understand well if I take that action and use that communication, then how can I how can I actually know that I'm doing the right thing? So did it make a difference when I did that or not? So then you need the right dataology. And but you could have the best dataology, right? And or understand all the stats. But if your messaging is completely off and you don't understand the psychology of the customer, then that won't work either. So you have to have the three working in unison with each other all the time. I'm curious. I just want to back up for a second. Cause I'm, I meant to ask this in the beginning, but we went down a track. Um, how did you how did you get into this? Like what, what got you excited about conversational commerce three years ago when nobody was yet talking about it? I I think at that point we were starting to see, Hey, Tamara in our emails, you know, instead of just hello customer, but that was really it. So what got you down this path? Yeah. So I I used to be a wedding singer because like that's the natural. natural I love that about you so much. Like I can't even, that's the best thing. (laughs) So, so, Are you so going to sing one, us a song at some point? Well, <laughs> may, may, maybe not on this microphone, but <laughs> um, but when I when I used to be a wedding singer, one of the things I started to learn a lot a bit a, a little bit more was psychology mm. because I knew when I was performing, if if I could create a a rapport with someone, you basically have seven seconds to create rapport, right? So if you didn't get those that audience in that first seven seconds, then you'd lost them for half the set. And it was, wow. and then you you climb and climb and scan back. Right, then so you're now, actually catching up. Exactly. So then I'm like, 
what hooks can I create? How can I bring people in? How can I create such a rapport so early on that then it brings people together? And then then we started to work online. We we had something called a dream wedding secrets box. So this was basically a lead generation tool for the wedding singing. It turned into a completely separate business uh, and uh, we ended up having a community of three and a half thousand brides. And at that point, I started experimenting with different things. Uh, we, for example, set up an automation that sent me a reminder, a reminder when someone abandoned the car. And I would mm. call every single abandoned car and then write down in a form what they said. So then I could take all the things that they said and create retargeting ads around all their objections. So, um, and then I started doing that. Uh, and then I looked at Messenger as well. And people were like, I don't know who to invite to my wedding. I was like, bet we could automate that. So we created this whole flow map and this bot called Dot the Bot. So she was Dorothy, this old wise woman. Um, and we created this personality behind her and everything. And she'd tell you wh- whether you should invite that person to your wedding oh, or not great. based on the outcome. Yeah. So we started to do more and more of that. And then when the bridesmaids dress business, we didn't calculate our return policy correctly. And I ended up with a lot higher returns than, than I thought, because not because the product was crap or anything. It's just simply because when you've got eight bridesmaids and one person doesn't like it, they send them all back. So I ended up, uh, we had $25,000 come back in two months. And we were like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so at that point, I needed to pivot. Um, and then I was like, well, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? And then it, it kind of all tied towards this conversational commerce. And it's just been this, this learning growth experience. And when we started adding in our core values, one of them being innovation, now we actually empower the team to every single week, they have to come with a customer wow idea. And they're excited to come with that. So everyone comes with custom wow idea and everyone comes with the sharpening of the saw. So what are you going to do in the next seven days to grow yourself personally? And then also customer wow, how can we either wow our clients or wow our clients' clients? So what happens is then it goes from just being me and my ideas to being the team ideas and that collaboration. I want to ask you a question about that because I think it's so important. I don't want to move past what you're saying just as you as and it's not about conversational commerce necessarily it's about you as as an entrepreneur and a business owner what has changed or what has what transformation has been allowed once you had your team as accountable and responsible for sharpening the saw and bringing those wow moments versus to your point inside you or you being the one because i think as leaders whether we're in a company or we own our own business like you and me we're the bottlenecks yes massively so yeah what what has changed i mean financially we've we've certainly grown uh last month we had like 5x growth on the on the previous month so we were like um and i think we started in a custom wine shop in the store about eight to ten weeks ago so that says something yeah uh the 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 other thing is since day one since having hiring that first team member is i always was focused on personal growth i was always focused on like how could we help each member of the team be the best version of themselves? And what's coming to fruition now, like the the first person we hired, I think has been with us 11 months. Um, and in that time, he's now become the head of tech. And he was actually shadowing me on the interviews for the hiring the new tech people now, because I want to take him through that journey together of like, right. so it's, it's about being prepared to take a step back, to let people make mistakes to figure it out a little bit. And then the only way you can find out what SOPs and what processes you need to put in place in the business is by letting the team handle it and then seeing what breaks. You've got to take the step back first, which is hard at first. Something that has been absolutely key to everything that we've done. And I, I was actually interviewing someone today and it, the, we were talking about micro changes, right? So it's yeah. it's not the stuff that you do today. It, it, 
it's a, it's a compound effect of that over time. So what what I'm about to share is something that we kind of go, that's not really going to that much of a difference until 12 months down the line, you're about, okay, I can see the difference now. So we do, I do a weekly check-in with each member of our team, right? This is a one-on-one check-in where they can share exactly like, you know, how do, how do you feel? And first question is always, how do you feel the last seven days has been? And then the last question of that check-in is, what do you feel in seven days' time? Who is, for example, tomorrow? Um, what is tomorrow going to look like, be like? And then we phrase that out, right? So we 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 get them to future pace in their own mind who that person is that they're going to become uh, on those weekly mm-hmm. check-ins. I also make sure that every team member they do a daily assessment. So this this is their self. They, they say, what are my top three outputs? You know, what what do I commit to achieve? Where am I unclear? So then when I'm doing a weekly check-in, I can review what they've said over the last seven days. And then we also check the happiness rating every single day. And I'm proud to say that our team's happiness rating is a 10 every day. Oh, I think we've had maybe four or five days where it's been a nine. And I, I can hit that. It's a lot easier to course correct like one degree than it is an, a, a 90 degree, right? So yeah, if you yeah. check in every week, then you can just bring it back. I'm very <laughs> much of... How can I coach our team to be empowered as much as possible to do what they need to do? You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD dog treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. I love the idea of happiness because I think when you're when you rate yourself as happy, you're being productive and you're being innovative. Because I think productive is a false. I don't know. I think yes. it's a false 
like thing of success. I don't think just because you get a lot done doesn't mean you do it well. Doesn't mean you do it right. Doesn't I mean there's a, it doesn't mean you're happy. Like it, it doesn't mean anything in my book. But I'd love to hear your and the audience would love to hear your opinion about why happy. Why measure that? So for the exact reason that you just said is happiness precedes uh, effectiveness or productivity, mm-hmm. and. Um, just just to note on productivity, there's two things there, right? So you've got effectiveness and you've got efficiency. Mm-hmm. A lot of people focus on efficiencies. So Im- imagine you've got a well over one side, you've got a well over the other side. And I, I say, right, I've got this. You, you need to take the water from that well and you need to put it into that well. Now, what you could do is you could get two buckets. You could, you could do it really fast. You get two buckets, two buckets, two buckets, right? You've been really efficient really efficient and then the buckets both got holes in the bottom so you get to the other side you pour a little bit of water out there's hardly anything coming now what would be the most effective way well i'm not going to use buckets right i'm going to get one of those industrial hose pipe things that can soak up all the water in one go and then i'm going to dump it in the other one that's the most effective way to do it so one of our uh core values is about being effective effectiveness Mm -hmm. right not efficiency because efficiency is a load of crap (laughs) um and then the other one is excellence Right. So another one is if you can be effective, but if you're not doing it with excellence, then yeah, great. You got the job done. You got it done quick. But if you're not doing it as a high standard, then it's not working. So, but efficiency is, is a false assumption, really, of, of like, oh, I need to be efficient as possible. No, because then you're just being busy. Like you could work 100 hours a week and be really efficient, but get nothing done. Right. So, and not move um, the needle forward at all. No, exactly. So, you know, this is this, uh, Podcasters took a, a slightly a slightly different turn. However, the, so these enough. kind of principles are so 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 important for for growth of of any businesses. These are the core pieces that have actually helped us grow significantly. But I, I think uh, yes, we went from conversational commerce to leadership, right? Really. Um, but but here's what I'd say, Paul. I'd say that this is part of the reason why you are on the forefront of this new field and have grown in this field and a growing field overall. It's because of this other focus on growth, development, like having an understanding of those things makes you really good at the other thing. And I don't think you can have one without the other. So this, I haven't met anyone yet. I don't know if you have, who's like brilliant in their field, but doesn't give a shit about what, all the stuff we were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'd agree with that. And it's also the, I think Dan, Dan Sullivan said, um, what is it Dan Sullivan or someone someone else said one plus one equals 11 and mm-hmm. I, I know t- Tom Matson uh, from Strategic Alliance talks about that right so I go wait a minute so if one plus one equals 11 what does like one plus five equal <laughs> right. I was like well that's uh, that that's big growth there so then we when you start going and building this collaboration around the innovation so when everyone's trying in that almost one-upmanship on the other one and here's what we just studied recently because we realized some of the customer wow or some of the sharpen of the saw maybe wasn't getting done all the time because we were kind of going, did it get done? And they're like, no, or yes, or or whatnot, but it wasn't being measured. So what you measure gets managed, goes back to the datorology piece of the trifecta. So what we started doing the last uh, couple of weeks, we've now created a Google Sheet that we bring that up, share the screen every Friday. So it's like, this is what you said you were going to achieve. And then you have, then it it'll work out a percentage of completion rate. So every single person on the team then is like, I want to, I want to be have the highest completion rate on the team. 
So you create that accountability within the team, but also that gamified experience where everyone wants to be yeah. the best. Your everyday innovator style, and I, I love when I get to do spotlights, spotlights like this, is a collaborative inquisitive, which I think yeah. we all probably heard a lot because that collaborative, you innovate by pulling disparate people and experiences together to create whole innovation. And that inquisitive is about kind of digging deep and uncovering the layers and pulling back the onion and asking why and if, and like, it's kind of deep innovation. And I kind of hear it in both of the things you're talking about. You really leverage that for success, which I think is really cool because it's, it's a powerful combination. You are, it's, it's 360, but you're also going deep to understand what's an assumption and sitting on the surface and what's not. And a lot of us miss that part of the equation. Yeah. And don't, Whatever your innovation style is, don't fight it. You know, yeah. when it, when I was my early twenties, I'd, I'd say the reason I didn't get to where I wanted to be. So, and you know, you, you're never fully where you want to be, but like I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. Um, the reason I didn't get there sooner is because I was worried about what other people think of me. Yeah, um, and there's, for real. There's a quote from, um, and I, Jay Shetty said he he heard a monk say this. So I can't remember the exact person who did it, but. Uh, this is like stuck with me so much is it's not what I think I am. It's not what you think I am. It's what I think you think I am. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just like that, that blows people's minds for a little, for a little while. And then it sinks in as like, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's all about it, what you think other people are thinking of you. Which is also, by the way, exhausting. I don't know why. It's, I So I spent my twenties definitely caring and I have, I won't, we don't have the time now for me to go into my red three piece and Taylor suit story <laughs> with matching shoes and scrunchie but but it was the power suit of the 90s right that's why i wore it and it's because i cared what other people thought in fact when i first started keynote speaking and i always be like super uber like jacket right matching but that's not me like it's just it's not me but it took me a long time to get out of that place and and to realize like f it like i'm just gonna be me and frankly it's been better not just for me but for the business and for everything since then, that's the irony of it, isn't it? Like once you let go of that, it actually gets better. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, I think that's a really good takeaway to for people to take away is you know no, number one is look at that trifecta in your business right now. So what are you mm-hmm. doing in terms of understanding the psychology of your customer? What are you doing to leverage automation um, and leverage technology? And then what? How do you know that that's working? Uh, like so, are you tracking the numbers at every stage of the customer journey? Uh, and at the same time. Forget what anyone else thinks about you. It's about what you think about yourself. So I love it. it, it, it about yourself when you buy yourself. I feel like that's the wisdom bomb at the end. So I'm not going to ask my advice questions. I feel like that was it right there. <laughs> what I do want to ask you is because you have a great podcast and you have a business. So where can people go to listen to your podcast, start to listen to you a little bit more and engage with you if they're ready? Yeah. So you can go to amplify to sevenfigures.com, the number seven. Um, and you can listen to that podcast on there as well. Tomorrow's episode will be dropping soon. I won't, I won't say a, a date because of like the, yeah, the yeah, times yeah. are matching up, um, but it'll be dropping soon. And also, if you want to find out more about what we do here at Amplify Seacom, you can go to www.amplifyseacom.com. And we've just added a new little nice uh, chat widget where you can do your uh, Amplify to seven figure audit. Uh, oh. So, we, we've basically gone, this is all the things that we look at when we go into business to see where all the holes are. 
and you can go through the whole chat list of that to see what score you get. That's super and then cool. obviously it follows up in a conversational way. Obviously. And in fact, here's what I'd say to you guys. Hey, even if you're not ready, go check it out. I think you'll learn something by just engaging with Paul. I know I have. In fact, we had a whole separate conversation between podcasts that I learned a ton from. So you, Paul, you're full of wisdom. Thank you for joining. M- m- much appreciated, Tamara. You, you are also the same and your, your innovation uh, style stuff has just been great as well. Very empowering. Ah, thank you. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listeners, listens bigger impact until next time